0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis XIV, and I want to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of my listeners. Thank you so, so much for being with the show. I wouldn't be doing this, couldn't be doing this without all of you, and the way that people have reacted to the show has just been one of the greatest rewards of my life, one of the great gifts of my life, and this year has been just an incredible one. ...for this podcast, and I'm so excited for everything that we've done and everything that we have coming up for you in the new year. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope everyone's enjoying their time off and their rest, etc. We do not have a new episode for you this week, per se, but we are running a rerun from our Patreon channel... ...which was a discussion back in the spring-summer-ish time about Lady Gaga's Chromatica, where we were reflecting on three years of the record... It's a convo with two people that have been on the show before, Matthew Perpetua and Molly Mary O'Brien, two wonderful and smart and funny and thoughtful thinkers about pop music. And the conversation was just one of my favorites I got to have all year, and I know only a select few of you have gotten to hear it. So if you enjoy this episode and you like what's going on here you have access to a whole new treasure trove of Pot Pantheon all-access episodes. This is our Patreon channel. We publish at least three bonus episodes of the show per month. And some of my favorite things that are happening in the Pop Pantheon universe are happening over there. So again, if you like this and you want to hear more, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash potpantheon or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Or if you just want to enjoy this one-off for your Christmas New Year's week, please enjoy my discussion about three years of Chromatica With Molly Mary O'Brien and Matthew Perpetua. Uh All right, I am here with the writer of Flux Vlog, Matthew Perpetuo. Welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, glad to be here.
0: And host of and introducing podcast and the writer of the Molly Zone newsletter, Molly Mary O'Brien. Molly, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm thrilled to have you guys here for an episode that is the product of a tweet. My favorite kind of episode ever. I tweeted maybe two or three weeks ago that I thought... Chromatica had aged like milk, was the words (laughs) that I used. And of course, Matthew responded to me and. Love having discourse with Matthew about pop music at all times. And Matthew was like, really, I disagree with you. I think it contains some of her best material. And we went back and forth a little bit about it and other people were chiming in too. And it made me feel like we were due for a check-in on this record. It's been almost exactly three years. This was not planned. I just realized this. This episode will drop one week before the three year anniversary of Chromatica, which of course, (laughs) I don't think I need to explain to this audience is Lady Gaga's most recent studio album came out in 2020, in the midst of lockdown, in the midst of a very dark time in our lives, and yet was an up-tempo dance record that was beckoning us towards the floor when we couldn't possibly be beckoned. So I think the way we received that album at the time was very informed by those circumstances, and I like that we're gonna get to do something today, which is check back in now that we're a little bit more sane, maybe. I don't know, perhaps, not totally sure about that, but ostensibly a little bit more in a normal vibe. How we feel about this record. If we still like it as much as we did before, or if we didn't like it before, whether our thoughts have changed, how it's aged like milk, maybe, I don't know. And potentially like what it portends for the future of Gaga's pop career. Obviously her career has expanded into some multitude she goes in many directions, but I guess what it pretends particularly for her as a pop diva icon in that space. So I guess my first question that I would like to pose to the two of you is how did you feel about chromatica on impact like what was your original experience of this record in may 2020 matthew you want to take it first
1: i was just really into it from the start because i think it was kind of the kind of gaga that I'd, I'd been missing you know the kind of like full-on disco gaga there's i don't yeah there's no ballads on this record you know not that i have any problem with her doing that is just like she, and i realize and i also understand like why she went down that road for a while. But it was just nice to kind of get that kind of Gaga back. Like the lead single is Stupid Love. And that's easily one of my favorite Gaga songs. So right away, just like fully into it. When did that come out in relationship to the record coming out? It's probably a couple months ahead.
2: Yeah, it was pre-COVID. It was like, well, I I guess it wasn't pre-COVID. COVID COVID was happening. We just maybe
1: weren't
0: (laughs) aware of how bad it was going to get. But yeah, it was like end of February. It created the pandemic. like It was the last thing that happened before we all got locked up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and when it came out, I mean, it, it definitely is one of the records I probably most closely associate with the lockdown era pandemic and that and like the the Dua Lipa record like you know I think a lot of people at the time were like oh these disco records I mean there's a lot of really good disco dance stuff that came out in 2020 and obviously people could not really go to the club or anything like that you could you know figure out your own ways of doing it in the park things like that but the Dua Lipa one, I think, ends up kind of transcending the pandemic because those mm-hmm. a few of those songs are just so massive that mm-hmm. it's just like, there's no hope. The whole world just kind of bows to those maybe three songs. Mm-hmm. But Chromatica was really good counter-programming to the pandemic because the whole thing is like literally about another world. Mm-hmm. It's such an escapist record in mm-hmm. pretty much every way. And I think it was very valuable at the moment.
0: All right, Molly, what about you?
2: I definitely... You know, I remember I saw your tweet exchange with Matthew, just like the rapturous reception to Chromatica I think absolutely had to do with how batshit crazy everyone was feeling (laughs) in (laughs) lockdown. And I actually... This just speaks to where my mind was is that I had a Zoom listening party for Chromatica's (laughs) release. (laughs) Which, you know, I'm not at all triggered by like being on Zoom now and talking about Chromatica. That feels good. Uh... But I literally got... I think... Matthew, were you there? (laughs) Did I have you? it was maybe like eight or nine people and we all went on mute and we all like i think i shared my sound for like sharing screen and we all listened to it for the first time and i was just like i was living it was really fun to kind of like watch people's little faces on the little screen and see how everyone was reacting to it there were like a couple songs that i remember really losing my mind over i think replay was i was like oh my god yes so (laughs) the initial response to that was very much like i am trapped indoors and th- this is like a way to kind of feel free and feel you know kind of imagine myself in like a disco of the mind mm. so yeah I was I was all about it and I think the other factor that pulled into my reaction to Chromatica was that I so badly underwrote art pop I was like not a believer in the art pop thing when it happened and I was like I'm not making this mistake again like kind of whatever if it, I feel like I kind of over index on new Gaga releases now <laughs> (laughs) Because I'm like, well, I don't want to get caught selling something short that was like art pop. Because I got way into art pop during the pandemic too. I was like walking around my block when we were still wearing masks outside because we didn't know whether whether that was a good (laughs) idea. Like listening to all all the art pop songs, just being like, yes, this is. I I feel this. So I feel like I slightly over-indexed on Chromatica, but there's a lot that I still kind of connect to, which I'm sure we'll get into.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to evolutions of thought. But I just wanted to get a read my experience. I love hearing that. also zoom listening parties like so oh glad that that's a thing of the past. yeah <laughs> my god that was triggering when you said that i was like ah yeah but um one thing that i want to throw into the mix here is you know obviously the salvation of this record in a dark moment is such an important context right like we were all not just even at the beginning of the pandemic which is the future nostalgia moment two weeks in <laughs> you know we're still like maybe this is fun like i mean it's not fun that people are dying <laughs> but like maybe like we can make this fun like well whatever by may 29th i think things were really like that was a a really dark time Mm -hmm. like at that Mm -hmm. point so there's that but i also want to add the context of gaga coming off of as i think matthew was sort of gesturing at at an era of aberration from her normal formula we Mm -hmm. were coming off of both joanne which i want to circle back to in a second that was her last studio release prior to chromatica in 2016 and then of course the stars born moment which was playing in some of the same aesthetic sandbox i guess musically speaking as joanne was for the most part with some pop records thrown in of course
1: she was kind of in her rock mode
0: yeah she was in her rock mode she was in her like almost like adult contemporary mode (laughs) a little bit so i think that was another sort of pretext art pop being kind of the last time in 2013 that we had gotten like full-on dance numbers from Mm -hmm. someone that was known (laughs) originally as a dance pop artist so my experience was akin to your guys's in the sense that i'm a big gaga person. We'll talk about Joanne. Not wasn't for me for the most part. So I was really excited about the idea that this was a return to the dance floor. And of course, I was starving for some form of excitement in my life. I too listened to it for the first time in a WHO weekly <laughs> chat thing with like 300 other people, like oh losing their minds. I was unable to take the music in in the context because I was just laughing so fucking hard at everyone just like going crazy over all the songs. (laughs) It was just like so funny. But then my main sort of experience of the early era of Chromatica was I was throwing Twitch parties. I was DJing Twitch parties every weekend and it was pop obsessives. Everybody that was coming to it was coming to see me. So you can imagine like who was there. And it was such a big moment. I just remember playing every song. And like we were all so fucked in the head that I remember like everyone was like crying. <laughs> like we miss you. I wish we were dancing to this. T-. It was like totally yeah. fucking wacky. <laughs> and I was so grateful to have it. Now, I didn't over index though. I think I was... Somehow simultaneously happy that it existed and was thrilled to have it, but also was somewhat disappointed in it to begin with. Not because I didn't like a lot of the songs, which I did. I really liked the two advanced singles, Stupid Love, as Matthew mentioned, and Rain On Me. I loved Replay. still think Replay is the best song on the album, but... I think what I struggled with, and maybe what I continue to struggle with a bit with it, is I find it a little bit straightforward. Like, it's a little straight ahead, down the middle, edges sanded down, really crisp, really clean sounding. It's missing a little bit of the kooky factor that, like, I feel like the best Gaga music has to have for me personally. Or I guess it's shallow and it's just like so AOR perfection that like you're just like whatever. But like if we're going dance pop Gaga, I love Born This Way, the album. I love art pop like because they're fucking berserk. Like there's something about the unhingedness of the whole thing when she was at her sort of imperial peak that was so thrilling to me. And Chromatica to me is very well made, but sort of like borderline generic sounding dance pop music and that's the thing that i think was a struggle for me to begin with and maybe something i still grapple with with the record
1: i get what you mean because i was listening to a lot of born this way and born this way really does go all over the place there's mm-hmm. like insane decisions i mean one of my favorite songs record is government hooker which is just oh yeah. a crazy song <laughs> put your hands
0: on me john f kennedy yeah
1: yeah exactly <laughs> There's not really like those kind of moves on this record. I think this record is, I wouldn't call it like like the edges sand off, but I I think it's definitely like gaga and it's definitely has its weird little bits, but it is more like focused because it's, Mm -hmm. there's not really like as much variety to the types of songs. Like Born This Way has a lot of different types of songs. I think it probably is closest to like the first album, which is largely mm-hmm. the same vibe.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's accurate, and I think it's not just the variety of Born This Way, but it's the general energy she was bringing to that moment. I always think about that record as an expression of how imperial the phase was. She was so untouchable commercially at that moment that I think she felt carte blanche to sort of mm. do the wackiest, craziest shit ever. I mean, some of those songs, I'm like, this is like kids' Bop, Bruce Springsteen music. Like, I'm just like, what the what the <laughs> meets like dance pop i don't know and then listening to her primally screeching on bloody mary just everything about that album is just so singular like only lady gaga in that particular moment gonna come up with that shit like that was just so a unique expression of the gaga phenomena at its best in that particular moment and when i listen to chromatica Gaga's a great singer. She's a great songwriter. She's an interesting person inherently, no matter what she's doing. Even if I don't like the music, I'm always interested by what she's doing. But I think that what is at issue for me here is that, like, this is the first time that there was, like, maybe moves on this record where I was like, could other people be singing this song? Like, I listen to a song like Sour Candy and I'm like, okay, could this be a BB Rexa song? Like, I don't know. Or could it you know I mean? just
1: be a Blackpink song?
0: Or could it just be <laughs> Blackpink? I'm hard on. And that's why replay to me is maybe the one moment on the record where I really feel that sense of abandon, like that sense of like just off the walls craziness that I just kind of miss on some of the rest of the record. Interestingly, given that the record is posed as kind of a reaction to some of her mental health struggles, I I sort of feel like there's a beige leaningness sometimes to some of these songs to me. Molly, you have something you want to add to that? Yeah,
2: I mean, it's funny that you bring up that was definitely like the narrative that she was pushing with the promo, which I I went back and watched a bit of her Zane Lowe interview when she was first mm-hmm. releasing this, which she looked <laughs> rather cooped up during that. That was one of those things where they were trying to figure out how to film <laughs> interviews remotely. And so there yeah. was a nice camera that someone had set up and then like the zoom angle. And she just <laughs> looked, she looked caged. <laughs> like I was like, okay, we're seeing this now. The angle was very much like, like i'm trying to heal i've dealt with traumatic things i've dealt with like physical pain like these are the kind of things that she kept saying over and over again and it is funny that kind of the musical result of it is maybe a slightly medicated version of the like <laughs> vibe that she had when she was a little bit raw yeah. like i'm thinking right. of 911 specifically which it's like playing with this kind of like robotic nature mm. of like the the vocals and you know feeling like she's kind of muted or she needs to calm herself down mm. almost and then you do see that but yeah I think that's why I did respond the most to Replay I saw it live at the chromatical ball and the way she like screamed before she introduced <laughs> me, she's like come on fucking people let's replay I was like yes this is this is it So, yeah, I agree on the, on the like, it's calm, but it's maybe missing some of the, like, ecstatic nature of, like, maybe what you would expect from dance music or, like, you know, trying to find meaning on the dance floor. That's funny, because
1: that's the one thing I think the record really does, is just the ecstatic stuff. Like, I mean, Babylon's my favorite, and I think that one's mm. real weird. That is weird. G- getting to the chromatica ball, like, I, like, Molly and I saw the same show, and... One thing that really stuck in my mind about that and also this record as a project is we went to that show with our friend Chris Conroy and I just kind of put it out of my head that Gaga has fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. and like performing as she does is going to be increasingly difficult as she gets older. And it does seem like Chromatica and the Chromatica Ball was like, well, this might be the last time I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do this as hard as I can, and then we'll see what happens. But like I I think it is possible that she never really does another record quite like this or The Fame again. Like, I don't think she's ever going to ad- abandon dance music, but I think yeah. also, like, I think specifically the kind of spectacle, I, I, I don't know if that's going to be the kind of thing she'll do again.
0: I think it's interesting, too, because on the tour, as we talked about in our episode, they did make concessions towards her fibromyalgia. I mean, she spent the first three songs of that tour motionless like which I, I, I leaned i leaned
2: over to my friend and i was like um i'm okay if she's lying down the entire show like she's <laughs> she's giving enough <laughs>
0: And then she got up and I was like, oh my God. And luckily, unlike some other people in her lane, she has the chops to do a different kind of show. Like there's a version of a very appealing and fun Gaga show that is different. So
1: I mean, she has done tons of the types of shows. I mean, she did all those shows with Tony Bennett. That's like a, that's a radically opposite kind of show. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Wait, so rewinding a little bit, Molly, you talked a little bit how you felt about art pop. Where were you guys at on the like Joanne gaga stuff like how did you guys feel about joanne and like what do you think the fallout from that was in terms of gaga's pop stardom like I guess you can take both of those questions at once, either of you who wants to grab that.
2: So I liked Joanne on a kind of individual level, and I do think she was accessing a little bit of the batty nature of her weird impulses. Like, I, a song I sang at karaoke a while ago was Grigio Girls. Like, I think that's a oh, perfect yeah. example of, like, Gaga indulging, like, the singer songwriterness while also playing around with this, like, cheesy ideas in the lyrics mm-hmm. that I think really works. But I can't separate the Joanne release from the documentary, the Netflix documentary, Mm -hmm. which I feel like kind of showed how secretly sweaty that rollout was Yeah, the imagery that she was kind of getting rid of all of the high fashion outfits and like the really, you know, over the top paparazzi like walks and all that stuff. And she's wearing her white t-shirt and her (laughs) cut off blue jeans. Like this is the real me, which obviously it's like, you know, the, the, my favorite cliche, my most personal album yet is that (laughs) she was doing that. And then I don't think she quite had like the hit that, then backed up such a aesthetic change Mm -hmm, perfect illusion mm -hmm, came out and everyone was just like well this sounds like another kind of 80s pop retread what are we all doing so i just remember it i liked the songs but i just remember it as like it felt like she wasn't quite hitting what she wanted to hit in her own personal narrative of like Lady Gaga's back and then luckily she got booked for the Super Bowl and I feel like that was what then eventually gave her a narrative that I think she's still working on which is like rather than chasing down individual hits she's going for these super super marquee moments like Mm. Super Bowl halftime show Oscars starring in Oscar nominated movies campaigning to try to win Oscars for you know movies that she's actually in.
1: I mean part of the rollout for this was her doing the MTV awards and basically Owning the show.
2: Yeah. Like For she, sure. it's almost like she's, she knows what the scale needs to be in order to kind of transcend just chasing, you know, a hit or a number one album or a number one song, which I feel like is not necessarily going to be as accessible to her. Anyway, that's a, that's a long Joanne spiel. But Matthew, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I think that's something she has in common with Beyonce as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Joanne, I'm kind of lukewarm on the record generally. I mean, there's, there's only one song that would be like, oh, this is like to me, A list top tier gaga. And it's AO. Yeah. I like Million Reasons, which ended up being like the biggest hit and Perfect Illusion, which I kind of keep forgetting is like her song with Tame Impala. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah, I am also forgetting that. (laughs) Yeah. Tame was actually playing that one live. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I think I put Gaga on not a little bit on snooze during that period of I don't remember exactly what was probably occupying my attention at the time. (laughs) But other things were Donald Trump's um, election,
0: perhaps. God,
1: (laughs) yeah. I was more into shallow when that came out a couple years later. Yeah.
0: Well, that was like a correct I mean, here's my memory. First of all, I'm not a big Joanne person. I actually I like AO a lot, like Perfect Illusion somewhat think the back half of that album is like, kind of a dead zone for me. Like, cannot take that Florence Welch song. Like, really don't like that. (laughs) Dancing in circles. I was looking back at these track lists. I was like, God, these are some of her... To me, that is her weakest overall set of songs like it's just
1: I think the problem of that record relative to Chromatica is Chromatica if you're kind of what like you're saying Chromatica really commits to the bit yeah whereas Joanne doesn't Joanne mm-hmm. says it's one kind of record but it's maybe like 40% that record
0: yeah I think the idea of like this is the real me sort of stripped down thing just like felt dissonant to people because that's how it felt to me it was just as much of a camp act as anything she had ever done before but she was kind of framing it as like I remember speaking of Zane Lowe I remember her doing a Zane Lowe in around that album and being like I have finally learned how to like do what I'm doing with more simplicity and like I can just say what I want to say and I don't need all of these like you know goops and gadgets and all of this pageantry and whatever and I was like this is fucking pageantry too like I, I always found that framing and I'm as someone who just kind of like braces against rockism as a rule like I think I just found the entire framing of the record disappointing like I was just kind of like I don't need you to do quote unquote like a singer songwriter album to feel like an authentic connection to what you do as an artist or to think what you're doing has value. So I kind of, for the premier pop star of our generation who like celebrated the ideas of pop artifice in a way that was very exciting in her early work, I was disappointed by the whole idea that we were supposed to buy into this as some sort of like stripped back thing. And thus something that like was proving her bona fides as like a critical darling or whatever. Mm -hmm.
1: I think you're being too literal because like to me like whenever she kind of switches into rock mode or like I'm just a normal girl I'm wearing jeans and a shirt you know like I mean she just did it on the Grammys I mean, those are the Oscars uh, oh, right, when she yeah. was doing the Top Gun song like she will occasionally go to that mode And I think like it's all in like heavy quotations you know it's definitely like yeah, she knows true. that this is a thing this is a yeah. move you can do in popular music that's been people doing it for years and years Yeah, and like a lot of people who kind of toggle between the two it's just right. like you need to kind of cast the crazy outfits, the high fashion in relief. And like musically, I mean, obviously she has an interest in doing this kind of music to begin with. She pretty much from the Start really, I guess more like the fame monster. No,
0: she had like brown eyes on that first record. She's been doing oh, this right. kind of bows. I take your point, and I think all but, would but, be fine. But she's fine. kind of like
1: in a rock drag, or like I, I'm a normal yes, person well, that, drag. That's
0: that's for sure, and that's all well and good if the songs held up. If the record for me had delivered, I would have been like cool I'm rocking with this idea I just think that whatever that guys was it didn't lead to her producing music that like excited me really for the most part and I think the other important thing that I'd like to put out there this is something I posit you know we did an episode on Gaga early early in the show that like you know is different than the way the show is a little bit now but one thing I posit on that episode that I do think is relevant to our discussion of Chromatica is just walk with me here so Gaga became the most famous the fastest of any pop star in his In my personal opinion, Mm -hmm. she had Madonna's like first seven years of like slowly rising success in the course of like 18 months. She went from like literally being a nobody to being like the premier pop star of her generation, like in less than two years, which is like not healthy. Like that's not a great thing, but it was fun. I mean, it was great when it was happening, but I do think it was kind of like a too big, too fast kind of thing. And she wasn't quite like in the saddle enough to like wield that power. You know, Madonna just as a counterpoint, I mean, I again, I don't mean to, like, set this comparison up that I know is kind of rote and whatever, but Madonna is the blueprint for so many pop stars, so why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, Lady Gaga is definitely, like, the the daughter. Of oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's it no insult to either.
0: But I, I'm not even trying to make, like, a one-to-one artistic or aesthetic comparison so much as I want to say that, like, I think part of the longevity of Madonna's success, like, part of the reason Madonna made relevant hit pop music for 20, 25 years is because she could kind of like slowly morph and mutate and like figure out what to do next in... A pace that felt like sustainable in a weird Mm. way like the records would come out every couple years she grew over the 80s like into the zenith that she eventually reached and then she sort of redid that again in the 90s like there was a pace to it that allowed for the evolution to feel organic and for her to grow as an artist in a somewhat normal paced way you know what I mean whereas Gaga I think got so big the expectations around her were so huge that you then get to like a born this way which is really only coming out you know two two or three years into her career. She's got the peak of her success. Everyone's paying attention to her. And she makes this kind of wild sounding record that of course is at once very successful, but also very divisive. I think that album was the moment where there was a lot of casual Gaga fans that were like into bad romance and shit like that, that were kind of like, eh, this is kind of gay. This is kind of campy. This is a little bit out there. Like there was a lot of success off of the fumes of how big the first era had been. But the record, I think in terms of how the general public felt about it was really divisive. I remember when the first single came out, people being like, uh, uh, screech, you know what I mean? So I have sort of thought about every subsequent gaga album as like a weird pivot to try to find her equilibrium again Mm. after that so it's like art pop we now think of it as kind of an unhinged record because it definitely is but that was an answer in some ways to Born This Way's headier, queer, kitty sort of thing. The whole idea for art pop was like, I'm going to go back to making music that's about frivolous fantasy and sex and fun. And like, that was kind of the idea. Of course, she's always shoehorning 10 million other ideas into there, but that right. was the idea of art pop. <laughs> but it was still completely overblown. And the record was seen as a massive underperformer. I mean, art pop was commercially really like a big nadir at that moment. Then she kind of goes, fuck the (laughs) overblown dance pop aesthetic that I was going for here is not functional anymore as it was for me in 2008, 2009, I'm going to make Joanne, the opposite kind of record, which is live instruments and rock, blah, 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 blah. That also, not a very big commercial success. Again, Million Reasons, the soul kind of hit off of the Super Bowl performance, but like those songs didn't do well. Perfect Illusion didn't hit the top 10. I mean, this record was not at Gaga levels of success. So in a way, I sort of see Chromatica in that lineage a little bit where she's kind Of still trying to sort of like figure out, like, what Mm. is my pop persona again? I think this was her most, as people said, like, streamlined square attempt at like kind of finding the balance between the two ideas. It's like not quite unhinged, but it's still dance pop gaga. It's got some of the flourishes of everything she's picked up along the way. Like, she's never felt that level of sort of confidence in her artistic impulses that I think she had in that first few records up and through Born This Way. And I still see Chromatica in that way, sort of. Does that resonate at all?
1: It does. And the the thing you're kind of bringing up kind of contrasting with Madonna to kind of put me into thinking about, I think the the big difference between the two of them is that Madonna, like David Bowie as well, kind of approaches music and all of this kind of with an actor brain Mm. where they're thinking of like characters they can play and like moods that they can embody. Whereas Gaga, I think, is much more of a performance art kind of person. She's always thinking conceptually, there's always like layers of meta things in it you know, she's just got big art brain and, you know, art pop, obviously being (laughs) like, okay, I'm just going to own it. So yeah, I think like She's not someone who's just trying to, like, find the vibe of the moment. She's just always kind of on her own path. So the world has to kind of either come to her or it doesn't. And, you know, the world generally does come to her, even on these records that underperform relative to the bigger ones.
0: But I want to just point something out about that, which is that the world comes to her as a celebrity, but the world has not come to Gaga again. In that first era way, pretty much ever again, except for Starzborn, in my opinion. Right,
1: which is like, huge. That's that, like arguably that her huge. biggest thing it was ever. Huge.
0: But in terms of Gaga solo album releases, she's been more on the fringe or on the bubble of the main pop conversation for longer than she was at the center of it. And I think that that's something that gets obscured by her continued A++++ celebrity and her ability to diversify her portfolio and create interest in all these other ways in her. But if we're talking about Gaga's pop career, she really has not had like a truly zeitgeisty album since that first swing right there. In my yeah. personal opinion. She may never decide Besides again. A Star is Born.
2: Well, th- just speaking to your you know pointing out that she does seem to be kind of like you guys like this wait a second okay yeah. you didn't you made yeah. me like this the yeah. I feel like this song that is kind of like the linchpin of all of this that everyone forgets about is the cure which came yeah. out. that to me that was the biggest ever like okay the Joanne thing was not hitting the way I wanted to what about just like a nice normal sweet romantic pop song uh and on one hand you can call that like a triumph like that's great we finally found something that has got radio play blah 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 because she doesn't lean in with like full confidence in you know kind of like digging in a little bit then you can get that sense that things are getting a little sweaty in there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that there's a team somewhere behind the scenes it's like ah shit this didn't work what else do the people like and that gets harder and harder as years go by and fandom both gets more fractured and you know the idea even of a hit song is not quite the same thing that it was when she was maybe first starting out when things were much more you know the monoculture was I think a little bit more in action
0: she's the last monocultural pop figure in my opinion she's the last person that really devoured the entire four quadrants of culture for a period of time it's not possible I mean I'm trying to think if there's anybody that sort of like I think Taylor Swift has attained that yeah I guess. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But Taylor technically is like her peer more so than she is like someone that came after her necessarily. I oh, don't think true, any yeah. of this new generation of – they just can't – there's no possible way for them to do it. And it's really – that's a whole other conversation. Here's my <laughs> next question I want to post to you guys. I want to get into the music on Chromatica a little bit. How would you describe – We've we've touched on this, but let's let's get in more detail. How would you describe what is happening on this record? Like, what are the aesthetic touchstones of this music, and what are the overarching themes?
2: Basically, here? '90s house, '90s dance pop. It reminded me a lot of like the music that I would hear on the radio when I was like a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, especially like anything in particular. Alice, I think, Free Woman. Mm-hmm. You know, these songs that kind of have like one catchphrase that then gets mm-hmm. like repeated and kind of chewed. (laughs) Gone. Reminds me of house music that has like a sample of something that kind of gets like chopped up and repeated. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that she has like I know Blood Pop is her biggest produce the main producer credit on this producer co-songwriter. Which I was saying to Matthew earlier, I was like Blood Pop. I didn't realize he was American. That just sounds like a Swedish name or a Norwegian name. Like oh hello I'm Blood I'm Blood Pop. Like (laughs) let's make pop music. But then weirdly she also has she has Maddion and Skrillex on here, which are you know they're very boundary pushing EDM people electronic Mm -hmm. dance music people so when you know we were talking at the beginning about how this maybe doesn't sound as edgy or as like sharp I'm like I almost wish She could have encouraged You know Like Skrillex To go A little mm-hmm. bit more ham If you had asked me Which song He had been on I would have been like I don't know He was on Plastic Doll Which you just don't Now Skrillex what? is Yeah Which is kind of crazy right Plastic Doll is another one The most one,
0: generic song On very the album, regular, Very regular Very normal oh
2: that's my interpretation of this is that i was like oh shit as soon as i played this when it first came out i was like the 90s are back the 90s maybe never left
1: yeah i mean well my favorite song uh, besides stupid love is babylon and that one is i think very early 90s mm-hmm. like super mm-hmm. early 90s it's mm-hmm. it's something that kind of feels like you know there's elements of it that really could have just been madonna circa like blonde ambition Strut it out walk a mile serve it ancient city style talking out Babylon. Battle for your life, babble on That's gossip,
2: what you on Money don't talk, rip that song Gossip, babble on Battle for your life
1: Shep Pettibone. Yeah, it's a Shep Pettibone. Yeah, exactly. Little Kathy
0: Dennis, touch me all night long sort of thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people who do that, much less do it competently, much mm-hmm. less make the lyrics insane. Yeah. The <laughs> lyrics of Babylon yeah. are some of the weirdest exactly. lyrics she's ever written, but also lyrics Agreed. that really felt right in 2020 with, the, you know, the fight for your life, and then but then also just like things that don't even make sense. Like, like the body's moving like sculpture, a thing that famously does not move. <laughs> um.
0: body's moving like a
1: sculpture.
0: Wow. Wow. She sold that so hard to me that I literally never even noticed.
1: She's good at her job.
0: <laughs> body's moving like a sculpture. Oh, my God. That's like a Max Martin classic. <laughs> yeah. who is also present on this record for the first time on Stupid Love a co-writer really interesting yeah. she finally like I mean the fact that he's not more present is you know whatever he's not that worth talking about here but perhaps does sort of buttress my idea of some of the more like generic gestures on this album to me although I know Matthew you disagree with that but I think the 90s house thing is clearly like the undergirding idea of a lot of this music like Alice gives me sort of like Robin S show me love a little bit mm-hmm. you know Free Woman definitely has you know I, I, I that was what i was doing in my sets at the time i was like all right what are the 90s house songs that these like ultra natte free you know i was thinking about a lot in you know thinking about free woman and then enigma which is one of my favorite songs on it has i mean i was just like, gonna say that, that kind of like a diva soul house like that's really one of like the highlights we could be- The Enigma replay back-to-back moment to me is the peak of this record. But then you also have songs that unfortunately, and I think this is another big problem, sound less 90s house to me and more 2010 EDM. I hear a thousand doves, and I'm like, this would have been a number one smash in 2009, Calvin Harris featuring like foxes or whatever, you know what I mean? Like... (laughs) so some of the songs unfortunately veer in that direction which i don't think is a particularly like good light for gaga to be like sort of referencing in this particular Moment in her career.
1: I like the contrast, though.
0: I just think anything that starts to feel like generic or that she's like pulling back to a past thing is like not a good look for a pop star of her stature. Oh yeah, like I it's agree. the way that like when Madonna entered the phase of her career where she started making like pseudo Kesha sounding songs and shit like that. That we were all like, bah! you know, not that the songs themselves aren't fine. It's just that like, it's
1: flop sweat. You just don't want to see what, people like this have see flop, the flop sweat.
0: sweat. That's right, and. Even Rain On Me, which I do really like, has that feel. Like, Rain On Me could have easily come out in 2011. Like, it mm-hmm. sounds exactly like those EDM pop records. It sounds like Break Free, another Ariana.
1: Right. I mean, just that Ariana Grande's on it kind of suggests they're like, oh, we, we need this to work. Oh, you know? th-
0: there's no more revealing element to where Gaga's Commercial prospects are as a pop star. And I want to keep stressing this. She's obviously going to be famous forever. She's going to be one of the most famous people we have in the world for her whole life. That's set in stone. Like it's mm-hmm. done. But in terms of her purchase as a pop star, nothing speaks more clearly to that than the way that that song would not have happened without Ariana, one of the biggest of the next generation of pop stars, who still is relevant on her own terms, being on that record. It just would not have happened. So I think that that says a lot about where Gaga's commercial prospects are even as she does attempt to make music that seems to be like aiming at palatability on some level none of the other singles really happened to that big stupid love was a mi- I'd say like a minor hit rain on me was a decent sized hit and then none of the it's other a mega singles hit. Really
1: I was in. like it's it's like it's like a I think it's at a billion on no, no it's a little under a billion on Spotify but it's like really really high Spotify numbers and also it was like a number one hit so I would say I would say like rain on me is an A-list Gaga hit
0: it's not like WAP big right <laughs> it's not bad romance big it's not you know yeah. what i mean like, right not, well you're, you're talking
1: bad. about like zeitgeist moment songs yes, versus right. like regular ass big hits
0: <laughs> yeah. there's a regular regular degular, everyday hits. billion streamer on spotify <laughs> yeah <laughs> who doesn't have that anyone could do that and we started touching on this a little bit but the themes of the record right like it's a lot about her mental health struggle you you molly talked about 911. There's another song called Fun Tonight, which seems to be referencing like a boyfriend of hers that was like addicted to her celebrity in a way that like made her uncomfortable. Like there's definitely the idea here of sort of like revealing on the dance, confessions on a dance floor, if you will. Uh-uh. Does the record (laughs) resonate for you on an emotional level?
2: Honestly, for me, I would say not. I would say Joanne hit more specifically than this did. But I think, again, just to pull back to the time that it was released, there was kind of the like escapist element that was like let's go away to a different place where we can heal on the dance floor like that Mm -hmm. that resonated to me and so yeah Mm -hmm. obviously I listened to it in preparation for the podcast and I don't know if it is that the genericness that some of it doesn't necessarily feel like I connected with it but it's more the gestalt of the whole thing that I feel like I just I'm like it's it's (laughs) dancing I like that but you know so so like Alice I mean the, the meme of Alice was like my name also... So isn't Alice like? I don't know. They're, like they're, we're talking about, yeah, like relatability. It's like, yeah, my name isn't Alice as well.
0: That's the biggest emotional note for you. Yeah, that's the that biggest emotional note.
2: <laughs> my name is not Alice, but I'm, I keep looking for Wonderland.
0: It's interesting too because I think that in classic Gaga form, and this is something that I think like has kind of been omnipresent in a lot of her career. You'll hear a song of hers and you'll be like, great song, great pop song, whatever. And then you'll hear her talk about it. And she's like talking as if it's like literally like the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like she's like, and like, here's all the ideas behind it. And I'm like, oh... (laughs) That's what Guy is about, like that. It's like it's like some sort of like you know hi- history of Greek mythology and like well it's not about just like fucking some dude. Like are you kidding?
1: Musicians are great that way.
0: That's one of the funnier aspects of Chromatica to me is like I agree with you. Like the number one note I get for this is like fun dance songs to dance to. Like and got, I love that for her. But then like you listen to her talk about it and you're like oh am I supposed to be getting some sort of like moving personal revelation from you on this? Right. I- M-
1: much less like some kind of story of the planet Chromatica <laughs> yeah, which yeah, kind of sails over. (laughs)
0: Which
2: I still don't get, and that's okay. It's just
1: a good conceit. Yeah, I would say that there are like these big emotional things on this record for me. At least in like maybe three or four of them. I mean, there's definitely a bunch of these songs. I feel like you know they're they're fine. I listen to them kind of if I put the record on in full, but. The ones I've come back to a lot. I mean, Babylon and Rain On Me both have this kind of triumphant thing Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. like fighting for your life or like at least I'm alive. And like, especially in the context of the pandemic, those sentiments really hit hard. Mm -hmm. And then Stupid Love really gets me. I'm a Leo and is possibly one of the most Leo songs (laughs) any humans made. She's an Aries, but close enough. It's the the most fire sign song in the world (laughs) freak out freak out. Look at me. All I ever wanted was love
0: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you gaga The song that hits me the most is Free Woman because it's the most basic, generic, pop, girly gesture ever. It's like, here's my story. I'm successful now, and I am a woman who's, like, free and embodied, and, like, f- that's feminism. That's the kind of pop <laughs> song that really gets me no matter what. Like, you can hit that theme over and over again for me. and You'll never know, especially when you sing it with the absolute conviction that Gaga approaches everything that comes yeah. out of her mouth. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, bitch, I'm a free woman, too. Like, after I heard this song... <laughs> I'd say that to me is the one song It's an exception, but I do not think that whatever her intentions were in terms of her sharing or her revelations about mental health and all of that stuff, that does not register for me on this album unless I'm like explicitly tuning in and being like, oh, okay, that's, that's I can see how maybe you're making reference to that. I don't think that- that's effectively done if that was part of the goal to this thing. Yeah, it's funny because, like,
1: before Molly brought that up, I was like, I don't even remember that ever crossing my mind or anything yeah. about this record. It's like this record I've always taken as being this kind of like escapist thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a question for you guys. I have like the actual CD here. I was going through the booklet just now. Like, how do you feel about the visual aesthetic of it?
2: I mean, to me, the hallmark of the Chromatica aesthetic is the Oreo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, yes like that's it, what i remember it's not I the always...
0: hallmark of culinary history let me tell you that as someone who did you eat a I ate one and done, girly. And then I put those shits in my freezer for like three years. And then I was like, <laughs> ah, I can't keep these anymore. It was one of the grossest things Because it's I've like ever, the anyway.
2: golden Oreo, which to me, like, I don't recognize oh. the golden Oreo in the pantheon of Oreos. Like, to me, it's Indeed. not, it doesn't, the flavor doesn't make sense. But yeah, the, the pink and green, I remember thinking it, it looked fresh. Like, it looked like something different. I like the, you know, the kind of weird, like, cyberpunky like, metallic elements. I liked all that stuff. And it almost seemed like she backed off of it a little bit for maybe like the conception of like the album art and all that stuff to the tour because I remember the tour Mm -hmm. aesthetic looked a lot darker like almost like like she wore one outfit where it kind of looked like she was like spattered with blood or like some kind of weird It was like like very brutalist like
0: Fritz Lang kind of Yeah yeah.
2: which I have to assume is some sort of response to what happened to the world between when she you know wrote the songs (laughs) and put them out and they existed in the world but that initial which the stupid love was of course also like that was the lead off Single and that I when I watched the video for the first time I was like oh this is like Power Rangers <laughs> like <laughs> like people wearing kind yes. of like colorful superhero outfits like in the desert amongst a bunch of like rocks kind of fighting with each other so I liked all
1: that it, it's it, funny you say that because like looking at this art yeah it, like it looks like a cross between Power Rangers and H R Giger it has like a <laughs> lot of like alien like, like there's lots of like goopy things and like it's 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 a little bit grotesque mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. also bright pink the
0: cover is great love the cover i yeah. think my reaction to it is like similar to my reaction to the music which is that like when i first heard of it in this case when i first saw it i was like yes like we're back to gaga Crazy pop star. She's got like a fucking bone for a heel on the cover, and like you know, whatever. It's like a tusk or whatever. I'm like, yeah, great. This is like this is. I I missed this in the Stars Born Joanne era, and then I I completely agree with you, Molly. That like somewhere we left that I there was part of me on the tour that wished we got a version of the visual world we had gotten in the Stupid Love video and the artwork that was rendered on the stage. Although yeah, or the MTV awards. But again, I mean part of the issue is this is part of my struggle overall with the music and the visuals which is like it's halfway stepping back towards the extravagant insanity of the first thing but like not fully going there and as a result it just kind of feels somewhat neither here nor there to me ultimately and like that's a bit of my overarching Chromatica struggle like I think I'd rather at this point see her go for something like totally different than anything we'd ever seen her do before instead of something that feels a little bit like a well done but less thrilling version of what she did before and i think that that's both an aesthetic musical thing for me and it extends into the visuals i think she doesn't quite have her mojo in her pop guys at the moment i'm it's it, it's a question that is surrounded this record for me the whole time is like, is she doing this album in this style because this is truly her muse at the moment? Or is this purely a gambit where she's like, the little monsters have suffered through my Elton John era long enough (laughs) and we need to feed the little monsters. Mm.
1: Or the darker thing of like, I may physically may not be able to do this again. Or Mm
0: -hmm. what you said, or what you said. So I think that there is a, Patina and undergirding of this that has always felt that way to me. I think she's been much more comfortable seeming. The most comfortable she seemed in her artistry to me in recent times is Shallow. Like watching her sing Shallow, watching her perform Shallow during that whole Star is Born rollout, even on the tour, I was like, she loves this. She fucking loves this. This is like what she wants. She wants to rock in the free world. Like that is what this girlie... <laughs> wants right now and I can feel that a little bit it's not that she doesn't approach all of this stuff with absolute gusto and conviction because there's nothing Gaga does that she doesn't do that with so she sells it but I think if you're really reading into it when she was in that early swing she was so into what she was doing she was so fucking in it with herself like she was in it with herself and like that was the fun and I think this music misses that for me slightly it's not that it's not good it's just that i don't feel that sense of confidence in her muse that i used to feel in her work and i don't know if i've felt it outside of a Stars born in a while and that's kind of like what i was saying with my theory earlier and i think that's what i continue to struggle with with this record which is a good album but like is missing some of that to me that chutzpah that really embodied sense of like i do what the fuck i want and like you guys are gonna like it have you guys thoughts on the record evolved or your feelings on whether you like it or not evolved between 2020 and end now? Like, have they changed? Has the new ways of listening to it as hearing it out and the world changed it for you? What has that journey been like for each of you? Molly, you want to go? I mean, I think the
2: songs that didn't hit at the time now are maybe a bit more memory hold and the songs that I really liked are now kind of in my heavy Gaga rotation and are part mm-hmm. of my like kind of personal, you know, like Gaga playlist. Like I still mm-hmm. I love Replay, love mm-hmm. Stupid Love, I mm-hmm. love Babylon, I love Enigma. I think, mm-hmm. if anything, the evolution like she almost had the right idea of where pop music ended up going anyway Mm. because I do think like you know obviously this this album came out in 2020 2020 I also think was like the rise of TikTok as a musical force of like popularizing stuff house music for some I don't know why other than it's just like fun and flirty and like upbeat and nice is like a huge driver of like TikTok content there's a few songs that have come out of TikTok that have been basically explicitly house music and I feel like she was kind of there first and now I know obviously you know Beyonce and Renaissance not saying that Beyonce is copying Lady Gaga but some of the same elements got pulled from Mm -hmm. I think the you know the source material I think is very similar I also think she called it by getting the Blackpink girls on the track. Mm -hmm. I remember Mm -hmm. being excited when I saw that they were doing a collab. I think the collab maybe wasn't as potent as it could have been. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, like, they just headline Coachella. I think they and uh, certainly have an army of people on the internet who are gassing them up. So, like, she, I feel like Gaga had the right ideas of, Mm -hmm. like, if anything, she kind of was the first to stick her foot in some of it. And now it's gone way beyond, you know, what she initially did that I'm kind of seeing
0: seeds of it in music that's been made in the past. Past, like two years. Where does it slot for you, like in your Gaga rankings of albums?
2: Oh gosh. Well, I feel like I. That's a great question. I feel like, in, in a weird way, I, I've almost tied it with Joanne, tied for last with, jo- yeah. with, with Joanne. Yeah. I just art, I cannot describe how much art pop has risen in my personal esteem. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I have accessed something, you know, maybe by being trapped in my house and with only my own thoughts. Suddenly, the
0: kunst is you. Suddenly, sense. the
2: kunst is me. <laughs> you know, seeing what's behind the aura and all of that. Yeah. It, that is one of my greatest rises in pop esteem over
0: the past wow. couple of years is art pop, which
2: I'm like, what does that say? Like, do I need
0: to go no, back it's, to it's therapy? No, it's is I think you're not alone there. I yeah. think that that's I think that's been a general feeling throughout the entire firmament is that that record got an unfair shake.
2: Yeah, and you know, my my tastes have definitely turned more toward more extreme music. I'm really into hyper pop, and I feel like that, you know, art pop mm. was, I think, a seed she for hyper pop too, so.
1: Yeah, good yeah. Point. What about you, Matthew? As far as like rating re- the albums, it's probably my second favorite after Born This Way, or maybe... Mm-hmm. Roughly even with the Fame monster. But I don't really listen to the albums. I just basically have a Lady Gaga playlist. Mm -hmm. So I just like go through my faves. And then if you're not on that list, then you kind of, I don't remember that song so well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's not a lot of art pop on that. It's funny, like, is is getting into art pop kind of like the pop music version of like people rediscovering girls?
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is an amazing take. Amazing (laughs) take. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. I also think it had to do with what's come after it, because I think we sort of didn't realize what we had when we had it sort of thing. I mean, like, I think, I mean, whatever. We can have Joanne apologists in the chat, but it's just like, I think people were like, wait, no, not that. Like, go, go do that again. Like, we want, (laughs) we want swine, make Donatella, whatever. Yeah. A thing about
1: that record, though, is like, it's one of those albums that is like, it's probably like the. The most Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga record. Mm. And I think it's contrasted with Chromatica, Chromatica is, you could possibly make the same argument but i think it's like art pop is like the lady gaga to the extreme but weird whereas chromatica is lady gaga to extreme but normal yeah and i think okay. even like, there's, a, there's a normal vibe to it yeah. that might be the exact thing you're like a little bit like disappointed in yeah that it, it's just kind of like hey i'm just gonna make a lady gaga record just do lady gaga songs and there's not really like that much of a a quirk to this it's and just they're still gonna, gonna, gonna be songs. better than most songs right right right, right. <laughs> you know it's funny like Molly has been on like a U2 thing recently, but Chromatica is kind of similar to All That You Can't Leave Behind. Because it's kind of oh like, I, we're just going to do like normal ass. Or like It's it's not even like normal. It's just like their concept of like what classic me is like. Yeah.
0: I like right. that. I like that a that, lot. I, li- I like that a <laughs> lot. That is such a good take. It is so like that. And it also came at a point in their career where they were coming off of like an experimental sort of run of albums.
1: right? Yeah, some mm-hmm. flops, you know.
0: Flops. Experimental flops. Wait, <laughs> my only thing I'll add to this is that I think my journey has been initially... I was like, cool, B, solid, if slightly disappointingly beige Gaga album, to, all right, I'm into this, I need relief, I'm in the pandemic, let me just get into this, to kind of letting it fall by the wayside. And I'm glad that you brought up Beyonce, because I think Renaissance highlights a lot of what I think is not great about Chromatica at the end of the day, which is that, Mm. like, I think Renaissance does what Chromatica wants to do, 10 trillion times better and so much more interestingly and like so much more going on to it. Like that record like hits on every level for me and in a way that like Chromatica just is like flatter. Like there's just so much more going on to Renaissance and there's so many. I mean the first time I heard Break My Soul I was like this is a fucking Chromatica song if I ever heard one. Like this sounds <laughs> right. like I mean it, it's kind of
1: Chomatica. in the same zone as, as Babylon but yeah. played straight as opposed yeah. to like batshit weird.
0: Yeah. But Renaissance gets to have some of the weirdness and gets way has way more like it's just so distinctive and filled with personality. Well, there's like a thesis and to that record. It's you a know? thesis, yeah. There's more. There's so much more to it, and it highlighted to me, I think, what I'm missing a little bit on Chromatica. And I think that I'll just end my segment on how I felt about it, which is that as I obviously I re-listened to the record, prepping for this after I made my tweet. I think my tweet was harsh. I want to like pull back <laughs> on my tweet a little bit. I listened to it yesterday. I was like, I like most of these songs. You know, like most of these songs are good to me. I love the first run that Alice, Stupid Love, Rain on Me, Free Woman, like that's a great opening run of songs. I'm um, Lukewarm on Plastic Doll. 911 has never fully worked for me. As I said, I think Sour Candy's like, whatever gay club pop song love replay love enigma think the elton john song is an abomination think a thousand dub sounds <laughs> like fucking cast off edm song from 2010 and love babylon so like you know that's like a that's like a b album i'm back where mm-hmm. i started it's what i'm trying to say i've been on a journey but i'm back to thinking chromatica is like a solid b lady gaga
1: album i mean in my experience i just feel like this having like screened so many records over like twenty years or something, whatever. It's kind of a miracle when a record has like three really good songs on it. Yeah. So to have like eight really good songs on it, like yeah. that's that's not as you know. Even if you had, I mean, there's this uh, record. I would, I could definitely cut like four songs. Eight really good songs. I would say at least four really good ones. And then, like, yeah, but but you know what I'm saying? It's like this is definitely above average. I mean, obviously, even just saying B, but like, it's it's a little too long. I would definitely cut some songs, and really the ones that you just mentioned, like, there's Mm -hmm. some forgettable ones kind of through the middle.
0: Yeah, the plastic doll one to me is really the nadir of the whole thing. Because I'll take the batshit of the sign from above. I mean, like that song's bad, but like at least that's the
1: Skrillex one. I know, like the the guy, like who whose musical aesthetic is basically like pouring hot sauce on music. Yeah,
0: like plastic doll is like a carly ray Jepsen cast off or something like that to me like, I mm. the really worst is.
2: thing i heard about plastic doll was i saw i think this was back when the album first came out someone i saw someone on twitter being like i love plastic doll they should have Katy perry in the video <laughs> with or like they should do a remix with Katy perry i'm like if that's what you're asking for uh, out of this song put it, go- put it in the in i know <laughs> That is the iconic duo that we could name other more iconic duos
0: than that. I think also bring up Katy Perry also kind of like is like, all right, I was talking about like Gaga's perhaps diminished purchase in the pop space like in this era, but like She's got more purchase than fucking Katy Perry does. Yeah. Could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> Any other stray parting thoughts you guys have to say about Chromatica before we get out of here? Anything else we didn't get to that you just have to get off your chest?
1: Oh, I mean, just the Chromatica ball was great. It was. You know, obviously it happened well after it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. I think that was to the benefit of the show because she played so many songs from Chromatica and people like knew the songs well at that point. Mm-hmm. Even people like were some down of the ones it. that weren't. Yeah, exactly. People were just like, I mean, obviously when you play a lot of new songs, you can get crickets. And there was no crickets in that show. No, No, and
0: also it was so cathartic given how we had initially received the music to finally get to experience it communally was like, you know, it felt like a bookend to a dark Horrible chapter of everybody's yeah. lives to finally hear rain on me with the fifty thousand people. That was really that was a special moment.
1: And uh, and also to say, I think like getting to see Shallow live because oh, that yeah. that song I, it was, is so gigantic and is so perfect for mm-hmm. that kind of show. And wasn't
0: mm-hmm. she wearing
2: like a bug on her head? <laughs>
0: She's wearing
1: a <laughs> she, crazy. She was helmet. dressed
0: as a bug. Yeah, I think generally generally bug. Which
2: that's my favorite type of Gaga is like record a classic song and then just yeah. play it yourself at the piano, but dress like a bug. <laughs> That's really <laughs> what I'm asking f- from Lady Gaga I, at the end of the day. I couldn't agree A Little more. classic songwriting,
0: little bit of bug. So I want to pick a song from the record to go out on. I feel like we've talked about most of them. Is there any song that like, should it be the Elton John song? Should it be Plastic <laughs> Doll? Like what, what's the song from the record that we should go out on? I, I don't care if it's your least favorite or your favorite. We just got to
1: come up with one. My vote is Babylon. That's, I yeah. I second Babylon.
0: It. All right. Let's go out on Babylon Matthew Perpetua, Molly, Mary, O'Brien, thank you so,
1: so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Love to do it ancient city style.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Love to podcast like a sculpture. Strut it out, podcast a mile. Podcast a mile. That's it. All right,
0: thanks, guys. Strut it out,
1: walk a mile, serve it ancient city style. Talk it out,
2: babble on, battle for your life. That's